Welcome to Life Planning 101, brought to you by Kennedy Financial Services of Eastland. Tune in every Monday morning at 8.30 on KATX and KWBY, and again on Saturday morning at 9 on KATX and KWBY, as Angela Robinson joins Terry Slavens to share important financial information to help you live life on purpose. Insurance, investments, estate and tax planning, and much more. All covered now on Life Planning 101. Good morning and welcome into Life Planning 101 this marvelous Monday morning here on KATX and KWBY. Blakeney Hodges sitting in for Terry Slavens and Brett Robinson sitting in for Angela. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning this this wonderful Monday morning. We hope everybody is a uh, couple things with the bugs going around. Everybody is healthy and getting some rest and the kids are doing good. And then uh, I know yesterday there was a Super Bowl. Uh, Cowboys didn't play, so we weren't really we weren't watching. But uh, hopefully everybody got rested up last night. Uh, we're excited today. We've, we've got a guest on our show. Fun program. But first, I am sitting in for uh, Angela. Hopefully my voice is a little bit deeper. <laughs> uh, she's uh, at a coaching program, so always uh, continue to grow. But our, our topic today is we think it's a fun one. Uh, we enjoy it. It's about giving. And uh, I guess you could say it's giving with some benefits. Uh, there's something in it that can uh, help the family, help you. But with that being said, uh, I want to introduce our special guest. And we're, we're very excited to have Laura on the phone with us today. Laura Malone is the Vice President of Corporate Complex Giving, American Endowment Foundation. And when I read through how I could introduce her, I'm not going to take that much time because there's so much that she's done through the past. But she's consulted hundreds of trusted advisors and families and business owners. Uh, she's spoke at multiple locations and is, is has publications out there. So just a, a wealth of information on this topic. And we're very excited to, to have her here. Uh, Laura, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me. And good morning to everyone. Good morning. To kick it off, Laura, if you would, and, and uh, again, we like to take this whichever way it needs to go, but I hope our listeners understand a little bit of what we're talking about today. And I know one thing is, is folks might be uh, more understanding of a private foundation. Maybe we can go through that first and you can help us understand a little bit of what the background is there. And then we can transition into a little more of what you help people do. Yes. So as you mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about private foundations and then also donor advised funds. And I often like to refer to them as kind of kissing cousins of one another. They're very similar in some of their benefits, but there are some various nuances. And Brett, as you mentioned, we're going to go ahead and start maybe with the private foundations because they are the more familiar. They've had a longer tenure in family giving. They do tend to get the most media buzz because they do tend to be affiliated with uh, large dollar families. And the private foundations are the type of family giving vehicle where the family puts the money into the private foundation. They create a certain mission for that private foundation. And then they use that private foundation to distribute that charitable capital throughout generations. I will say that they do tend to, the biggest thing that seems to be most synonymous with the phrase of private foundations is the idea of control. Private foundations do tend to have their own tax ID. They are their own legal business entity. And therefore, the family has a 
wide range of areas of control within that vehicle. Um, so they can go ahead and they can name the purpose of the foundation. They can control who's on the board of the foundation. They can control how those monies are given. It is because it is its own tax-exempt entity. It has its own tax ID number with the IRS, its own living, breathing vehicle. With that being said, you know, as has been quoted numerous times across numerous channels, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And not everybody is really cut out for that great responsibility that comes with that power. And that's why, um, to some degree, donor-advised funds are really gaining popularity. So with the private foundation, you have that control, but you have a lot more uh, responsibility and uh, what you need to do to take care of it yourself and the family needs to engage. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I think historically the private foundations have been great tools for the founders of the wealth that are creating the foundation. Um, they have not always been considered great tools for those who inherit the foundation for the second generation or the third generation, or if the person that creates the foundation doesn't have any heirs to speak of, they may name a board to take over running the foundation after they passed. And I think often for those inheritors, all that work and responsibility that goes with that great power sometimes does not equally offset the benefit of having that power in the mindset of the inheritor. So they may enjoy the fun of giving the money away, but they may not enjoy the complexity of the IRS regulations and the annual meetings and the reporting that they have to go through on an annual basis because this is a living, breathing, tax-exempt business entity. No, that makes makes sense. It's, it's there to to help a, a cause and, and do that, but there is a lot of compliance. And the good news is there is an alternative. And when we come back, we'll extend and, and go over what the alternative is out there that might be a, bit, a better fit for you. So we'll be right back. On KATX and KWBY. Oh, goodness gracious. Good morning and welcome. Welcome back into Life Planning 101 here on KATX and KWBY. Blakeney Hodges with you, joined by Brett Robinson. And on the phone, uh, Laura Malone is joining us. And we're talking about giving today or gifting either way, I suppose. That is, that is right. And the benefits that come with it. And uh, before we went to break, Laura was going over the private foundation. And there's the pros of, you know, you have the control and you are able to be do the gifting and a lot of that is for the really, really big dollars that are out there is when it starts making making sense because it comes with a heavy expense. Uh, there's the uh, compliance that she talked about. It's very compliance heavy. Uh, the annual meetings and everything that goes with that. So you get to do the giving, but then there's the other part of, of how much the family members are going to have to actually get in the trenches and participate in that. So there is a place for that and, and, a, and a need for it, but it's not for everybody. Uh, so there is an alternative. And what we'd like to, to extend to Laura now is some time, and we'll go over what's called a donor-advised fund and uh, learn a little bit more about what that is and, and see how that might be a fit for, for some of you. Laura? Thank you so much, Brett. Yeah, at, as I mentioned early on, the donor-advised fund, I often equate to the idea of a kissing cousin of a private foundation. 
oftentimes they do offer some of the same benefits. The primary benefit is kind of that pause button between the idea of getting the tax benefit of filling the donor advised fund bucket or filling the private foundation bucket and that immediate tax benefit that you recognize, but also that ancillary benefit of trickling out those dollars over time. So foundations have always been well known for being able to fund that foundation, give it out over generations. Donor advised funds offer that same benefit. You do have the ability for donor advised funds to last years or generations. The biggest difference between the two vehicles is, as we mentioned before, the private foundation is a living, breathing entity. It's a business entity. It has its own tax ID with the IRS, whereas the donor advised fund sits as a component fund or is umbrellaed under a regular charity. So often you'll see donor advised funds within community foundations. You'll see them within faith-based organizations. You'll see them within uh, national charities such as American Endowment Foundation, and also you may see them within some of the investment institutions that have created their own charity for this purpose. And what this does by umbrellaing them under that other charity, it allows them to have the freedom away from some of that compliance. It allows the family to maybe focus more on the fun of giving the money away rather than the added cost of running the foundation, the requirements that the IRS has on how the foundation can run. Also, too, there are some tax differences between a donor-advised fund and a private foundation, primarily because of the donor-advised fund's component status under that regular charity. So it does qualify for greater tax benefits, and that's especially important if you're looking at giving assets that may be cash, you can double your tax benefit of a 60% deduction instead of a 30% deduction. But also, more importantly, if you're looking at appreciated assets, if you're looking at giving away stock that you may have in your investment portfolio, or if you're looking at giving away farmland, or if you're looking at giving away interest in a business that you own, Not only are you getting a higher charitable deduction for that percentage of adjusted gross income, you're getting a 30% deduction instead of a 20% deduction, you're also getting that benefit of the fair market value of that asset and being able to claim the full value of that asset rather than the basis of that asset when you first bought it. So for private foundations, if you were to donate that asset, that stock, that corporate entity, that farmland, your deduction is basically what you spent when you bought the asset. If you donate that asset into the donor advised fund, you're getting today's market value. And oftentimes for the landowners, for the business owners, for those that have investments in the marketplace, those assets do tend to have a lot of appreciation, a lot of growth that you can avoid taxation on by giving those assets. And then also, too, as we mentioned before, cash is definitely a well-viable opportunity. But the donor advised fund does allow the family engagement. It often can allow the same investment flexibility of donating those assets and investing those assets 
with your preferred financial advisors, much like you would in a private foundation. But it does allow you that flexibility of avoiding some of that heavy compliance. The donor advised fund sponsor, the charity that holds those donor advised funds, is really taking on that compliance burden on your behalf. So a lot, a lot of this is we like to look at it as uh, an open architecture. There's just a lot more uh, flexibility in things that you could do as far as uh, when you want to give, who you want to give to, and how your how your hands are tied. And even even leveraging up, uh, you can do uh, life insurance in, inside of these programs as well, correct? Yeah, life insurance can make great gifts either with the purchase of a new policy or in um, gifting existing policies, what I often refer to as the sock drawer policies that have been sitting around for a while. Those can make great gifts into the donor advised fund as well. No, that's great. And, and tax planning, you know, when you correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have to uh, uh, do the gift each year. You're not uh, triggered to give that out. So if you put the money into the program, because with the, uh, the standard deduction being what it is today, you can double up one year and then still spread out the, uh, the gifting out of the, the donor advised fund. Is that, is that correct? That's definitely correct. And, and the benefit to that, too, as, as you started to mention, Brett, is private foundations have a mandatory spending requirement. Private foundations have to distribute 5% every year. Donor advised funds don't always have that requirement. And a lot of that is going to be governed by the sponsoring organization you choose. So community foundations may have that spending policy national programs may not depending on which sponsor you're choosing to work with in the administration of your donor advised fund so that can make it um, feasible for families to grow that charitable capital may decide that they they want to reach a certain dollar threshold or they want to save up that money for five ten years before they start actually making those distributions out to their charities of choice no that's that's great and you know, we looked at all the positive reasons for, for this or what it can do. Is there any downside or any negatives to the, to the donor-advised fund? You know, I will say a couple of the nuances, and, and you kind of touched on it at the very beginning of this segment, Brett, was the idea of in the trenches. Private foundations are great for in the trenches philanthropy. Donor-advised funds, not so much. The IRS doesn't allow the family that has the donor advised fund to get any personal benefit out of the donor advised fund. So that means it can't be used to offset expenses the way the private foundation may be able to offset expenses for travel to go visiting charities or, or if you're doing international grant making to go overseas to on a mission trip or something of that nature. Often that money can't come out of a donor advised fund in the same way it can with a private foundation. And that's probably one of the biggest nuances that um, may be detrimental. If, if you're looking at being in the trenches, then a donor advised fund you know, may not be as good of a fit in the same way that a private foundation may. Well, with that being said, when we get back from break, we'll go over, is there a way to use both of these or mingling the two? Can they be used together? On Life Planning 101. Welcome back in. It's Life Planning 101 here on KATX and KWBY. About seven minutes left together today, so let's just dive right back in with Brett, and we've got Laura on the phone. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. This is, like I said, this is a fun topic for us. It's always enjoyable to find out a way to to be able to give and, and teach the children to be able to give is 
as well as to be able to find out the benefits that are available for you in a, in a tax standpoint. So we're, we're, we're talking about specifically is private foundation. And then last we went over the donor advised fund and uh, donor advised fund, the, the open architecture, the flexibility, the things that you can do with that. Uh, again, teaching the next generation on the giving, uh, the tax planning that goes with that. We left with, is there a place for these to be used together and can they be used together where that might make sense? And Laura, if you could extend on that, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, Brett, and and the answer is certainly. Uh, We have seen a lot of families that have both vehicles. Um, Many of them may have started a generation or two prior with the creation of a private foundation. And what they've used is they've used the donor advised fund as a teaching tool, as a training tool in the second, third, and fourth generations for taking on the reins of the larger private foundation. The other thing we've seen, too, is the idea that there is, as you mentioned earlier in the segments, some tax advantages of using a donor-advised fund versus a private foundation. So in particular, if there's new assets that are going to be contributed, it might make sense to have those new assets go into a donor-advised fund get those added tax benefits, and then use the donor advised fund as a component fund or an extension of the power of the private foundation. Part of where we've seen that really make sense is the idea of anonymity in the grant making from donor advised funds. As we mentioned before, private foundations tend to be their own legal entity. They have their own tax ID, they have their own tax filings, with the IRS. Donor advised funds don't have that same reporting in the same way because they are a component of the charity that is sponsoring the donor advised funds. They get reported on that charity's 990. By way of example, American Endowment Foundation's 990 is close to 4,000 pages because of all the donors that are amalgamated together with their grant making. So it's impossible to see what individual donor is making grants out of their donor advised fund versus that single tax filing of the 990 form. So it does allow for greater anonymity in their grant making. It also allows for more of a democratic process behind grant making. Oftentimes you'll see the private foundation is created with a core mission and not every family member may have the same passion for that core mission that the founders created. By using the donor advised fund, it allows the foundation to still be true to their core mission, but still engage the family, as we were talking about with family involvement, into the passions that they may be passionate about that may not be the same as the founder or the legacy of that private foundation. So there's a lot of great ways that they can be used in tandem with each other and can collaborate with each other as two great vehicles for working the family dynamic of how they want to work and integrate their charitable giving. When we talk to our clients or those families that we work with, you know, always remember what we're looking at is your whole situation. We don't just say, all right, this is a fit for you. You need to look at donor advised funds or you need to look at a private foundation or you need to look at a combination of both. It all really boils down to what's important to you, what your wishes are and what your situation is, your tax situation, your your family situation and what your wishes are. And 
And that's what Laura's going over today is helping with the mechanics of that is, is if this is something that's important to you and your family and something that you want to do, like she talked about earlier for one, two, three, five generations, or, or, uh, I guess, Laura, you could set it up to go on and on. Is that right? You certainly can. And there's some folks that want to just be able to do it for their lifetime and let it stop there. And that's okay too. No, that's great. So when we look at this, is there a time that you see in, in uh, the cases that you've done when you should collapse a private foundation when it just doesn't make sense? Yeah, there's a lot of private foundations that exist in the U.S. that are under $5 million. In fact, I think the last statistic I had heard was nearly two-thirds, if not more, were smaller than $5 million. And as we talked about before, there, there's a cost complexity to private foundations. So sometimes the cost may outweigh the benefit for some family members. As we spoke about earlier, some may be the inheritors of a private foundation and may find that they don't want to go through that complexity that is the ongoing care, feeding, and maintenance of the private foundation. As much as we want family to be bound and to be integrated in their philanthropic choices, not always do family members get along. So sometimes it may be that those that inherit foundations, if they feel adamant that they're not going to be able to get along, it may make sense to collapse the foundation and create multiple donor-advised funds out of those assets so that the family isn't forced to interrelate when that may not be the best fit for them. And also, too, sometimes it's just changing dynamics shift of mission. A lot of times we may see that part of the catalyst of using both vehicles is really maybe giving the family a chance to see whether they can get by on just a donor advised fund. Do they really still need the private foundation? And oftentimes we may see that that, you know, they may spend three to five years working with both vehicles, but then ultimately may wind down into just the donor advised fund. Um, and lastly, circling back to anonymity, that's really been a key stage also um, because of that reporting that goes on with the tax filings. Not all families feel comfortable <laughs> with having that exposure out in the community of it being known and recognized as to what they're doing with their charitable dollars. Um, many folks like to be more understated with that and, and may find that they want to have just the donor advised fund for that purpose. It's more for their for their giving and what's important to them and it's not important that they share all that out there and, and then for teaching the the next generations, a lot of times we find that's something they'd like to have that carry on, but then knowing there's times that you have folks that have already had the private foundation like you're talking about and and life is different for the next generation if they inherited that they may have uh, uh, an executive role and and time just isn't a, a, a leisure and then it may not make financial sense to pay the extra cost for that is that kind of the sum it up what you're saying as far as reason to, to mend uh, uh, put them together blend them together or, or do one over the other yeah and as you mentioned before i think a lot of it really depends on your client and the client demographics of what they want to achieve yeah. um as we mentioned before, for that in-the-trenches philanthropy, the private foundation may always exist and may always have a place. Um, and in that case, the donor advised fund might just be a good complement for that ease-of-use standpoint for certain areas. 
And then in other cases, it may be as the family's slowing down, as the family's becoming more geographically spread out, where it may become too cumbersome to try and get everybody together for the annual reporting, the annual meetings required out of the private foundation, that the donor advised fund becomes the better fit. Well, Laura, thank you so much for being on. And as you can tell, there's so much more to go into this. And like she said, it's about you. It's about your plan. It's about what's important to you and does this make sense and and what we can do to be able to help you. Just look at your overall situation. And Laura, thank you so much for for being on with us. Uh, We just hope everybody has a blessed day. God bless and have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Life Planning 101, brought to you by Kennedy Financial Services of Eastland. Tune in every Monday morning at 8.30 on KATX and KWBY, and again on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on KATX and KWBY for more Life Planning 101. Advisory services offered through Smart Money Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Calton & Associates, Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Kennedy Financial Services, Incorporated is an independent of Calton & Associates, Incorporated and Smart Money Group, LLC.